having the internet in your home was just a godsend for, for me and my developing eating disorder. <laughs> Hopefully my microphone is turned up this time. Oh yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. You, you sound louder now, so I'm It's a new yes. microphone that That's I bought fair. in an afternoon Yeah, for $30. <laughs> I still need to pick up that, just a cheap filter, like you said. I'm like, it's so easy. A pop I just need filter? To do it. I have yes. a pop filter on mine now, and I'm sure it's still popping. Yeah. <laughs> We're it's popping still poppin'. nonstop over here. <laughs> uh, but where are we, Lauren? What is this? Um, is this a podcast? I don't know. Are, are we saying hello to our friends? Yes, I was trying to do the intro in a different way, but... <laughs> okay. That's how I know you started recording. <laughs> uh, we'll see if that stays in. Um, but this is Pickles and Vodka. Hello. Hello. And Pickles and Vodka is a mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations. That they do. I'm Christina. And I'm Lauren. And usually, Lauren, we yes. start the episodes with me asking how you're doing and then vice mm-hmm. versa. Yes. Um, but I know today you have a lot to talk about. Uh, listeners, she texted me a few days ago and she was like, there's something <laughs> I really want to talk about on the podcast. And I've been like thinking about it ever since, just on the edge <laughs> of my seat. So there is, but I, d- I would say maybe let's not jump straight into it. Well, let's no, that's where I was going. I was saying because you have a lot to talk about, I would like to spend the first like 10 minutes on a few. Oh, no, let's just talk about me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm game. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> so the first thing I need to get out of the way is we had something of an ordeal in the studio today. Ooh. So, as you know, my partner and I have been living in this amazing house for four months now. And this house is kind of special to me because it's the first house I've lived in in forever where I haven't relapsed yet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I haven't purged here yet. I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, whatever relapse means to me. We've yeah. talked about it before. Anyway, this house has so many good vibes, but it has been ruined oh, no. by my cat. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) I have a six-year-old cat named Ruby. She's the love of my life. But Mm -hmm. she has cost this podcast that doesn't make any money probably (laughs) around $300 since since I first started recording. She has chewed through cords. She has peed on multiple carpets. And I consider carpets podcast equipment because they blanket sounds. It's an echoey house. We don't want any of that on here. So I think it was when you started as co-host, she had just peed on this rug in here. Oh, yeah. I think I remember you said that. Well, I got a new rug Mm -hmm. and she peed on it again. (laughs) And so this morning, my partner and I had to roll up this giant fluffy rug Mm -hmm. and dispose of it. And it's like 20 degrees outside right now. It kind of reminds me of the weekend that we met in person in St. Louis. Yeah, because you always, like, based on where you are geographically, you get, like, my yesterday, which was cold and windy. (laughs) You get my yesterday. That sounds so poetic. It does. (laughs) That's the name of the episode. (laughs) No context. Um, But, yeah, that's. I, I just wanted to mention that right off the bat. I'm very annoyed. I'm sitting on this brown blanket that my ex, Mm -hmm. not my ex, (laughs) my partner, (laughs) my current partner has had since he was like 12. And it's the most disgusting ratty blanket I've ever seen. And I've been trying to get rid of it. And he doesn't listen to this podcast. So I don't care about saying this. But anyway, I have turned it into a makeshift carpet Mm -hmm. for recording this. Yeah. If your cat's going to keep peeing on your carpet, you need something. I need something. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So that's just the first thing I wanted to say. Second thing is, um, Mm -hmm. I kind of gave Pickles and Vodka a little plug this week. And it took a lot of courage because I, you know, I hate that shit. I hate anything that could be construed as promotion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just comes across as disingenuous to me. And that's why the podcast has such a small audience, but we love our audience. Yeah. I don't mind promoting to strangers, but I'm very protective, as you know, of who in my life listens. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to force this down anyone's throat. (laughs) 
Um, also, who has time for that? That's right. <laughs> but so did I tell you about Dopey, that podcast about addiction yes, yes. where one of the co-hosts died? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still going strong, like four years later, but it's just a single host now, Dave. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I sent him a voicemail this week about his most recent episode. And at the very end, I did a tiny, tiny little plug for Pickles and Vodka because mm-hmm. I just felt like I would be stupid not to, you know? Yeah. And he played it today. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah. He played it on the newest episode, uh, episode 397. Okay. Uh, it's at, like, the 10-minute mark. If you want to go, you know, give him a few more listens, Pickles and Vodka yeah. listeners. It's a great podcast, obviously. Um, but, yeah, uh, we were talking about you know, how recovery is so boring. Yeah. And it, it's really easy to romanticize the past. Like we've talked about, we have a whole episode about romanticizing the past. Right. And, uh, but then you realize it's not sustainable. And I said that in the voicemail I left. I said, it's not sustainable. And even though recovery is boring, I'm so happy to be in recovery. And then he said in the episode just now, you know, it's not that he misses it being not sustainable like the reason he doesn't go and relapse isn't because it's not sustainable it's because like once you relapse once and you get back into that lifestyle like not only are you in it again like there's no just one time but also you have to get yourself out again yeah and (laughs) we can relate to that because we are like veterans with this shit like we have both been struggling for you know 20 plus years at this point and And have cycled there and back a few times yeah like we've (laughs) both been in and out of recovery so many times and like you're not really in recovery now I'm barely in recovery I feel like (laughs) um and so we know more than anyone like how much work it is to get yourself out if you're whatever your low point is yeah you know and so that really was making me think this morning about like how nice it is to not have to worry about that because we have so much to worry about it's just one like every time I think about going back and like drinking Mm -hmm. for instance I think like why that's so much work because then I have to deal with it and then I have to get out of it yeah and like (laughs) I don't have time for that unfortunately just as you were saying that I was thinking of other things where you don't really have the choice I mean I have a pretty good control, I feel like, right now on anxiety and panic attacks and things like that. But if they just start again, I didn't make a choice. It just happened. Well, yeah, it's that's mental illness, baby. Exactly. <laughs> it's not our choice. <laughs> is this the episode where we find out that nothing is our fault? I hope so. <laughs> Except for my, my topic is, I don't know if it's saying it's your fault, but... It loosely relates to what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, listeners, in case you don't know, we take turns every other week picking a topic, and I have mm-hmm. no idea what Lauren wants to talk about today. Yeah, we, we generally keep it a surprise from each other. Yeah, it's it's fun. Keeping things <laughs> hot and spicy, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, okay, there's one more quick thing I have to talk about. So Dave mentioned when he responded to my voicemail that, you know, there's plenty of other things to do, like, mm-hmm. instead of being addicted, for instance, like, yeah. you know... <laughs> Rather than go and repeat that cycle, like maybe try new things. Like even if your life is good, like me, like I know my life is good, but it could be better. And so I've been trying to do new things. So that leads me into the last story I want to tell in this intro, which is (laughs) last night I tried something new. I went to a show with Brett down the street Mm -hmm. at a bar and... I used to go to live shows all the time and not just with other people, like towards the end of my stay in Seattle, I would go by myself. Yeah, Even I've when done I that got, a few times. Yeah, it's so it's much fun. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, that's just like so much of my identity was like going to live music and, you know, the bands and stuff. I loved it. Uh, I yeah. even, you know, tried to get a few artists on this podcast before oh. I got burned out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I was really excited about this show. And I've told you about that one time a few months ago when we, we went to another local show and I, yeah. I got really bad yeah. anxiety attacks because there were like some really disturbing guests in the crowd. Ah, uh, okay. This time was not like that, but mm-hmm. I did find myself getting like anxiety attacks mm-hmm. in the middle of the show. And I'm just thinking like, why is this happening? Like, why can't I be in a room of strangers anymore listening to music? Like I can't focus on the music because I'm so worried about all the people brushing up against me mm-hmm. and like who's looking at me and how anxious I feel and how I can't control my thoughts because I'm not drinking or, you know, I can't smoke weed at a concert because we don't have a disposal right now. Anyway, 
I was feeling really vulnerable and anxious. And then I was just looking at all the people in the room and how cool they looked and how happy they looked and how much fun they seemed to be having. And I was just thinking like, I miss that. And I feel like I can't have that because my mental illness has progressed to the point where that's just not who I am anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm in this instance, I'm specifically talking about my anxiety. Like my yeah. anxiety has really worsened in the last year and a half since I had to go off meds because I lost my health insurance. Yeah. Um, I really should be medicated for a lot of different <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Um, hopefully that'll be changing soon though. And that's happened to me a few times. Yeah. We're like several years, you know, I've been on and then I've had to go off for a, a prolonged amount of time. I know what you mean. But like, I, it just hit me like a hammer. Like I am disabled. Like this, in yeah. this moment, like this is debilitating. I literally can't do this activity that I used to be able to do so easily. I had to go out to the car just to like take a few deep breaths and be alone with my thoughts. And then when I was in the car, I was like, I don't want to go back in. This is nice. Like I, I, and so I stayed in the car and I didn't put any pressure on Brett to leave, but like after an hour, he came out to check on me and then we just like, Mm -hmm. we're both tired. He decided to leave. He's so amazing. He like, (laughs) I feel sometimes I worry that he's mm-hmm. so worried about me that he like misses out on things. That's like one of my big insecurities. Oh, uh, he's just really understanding, but he's not like enabling or anything. Um, yeah, but that's a great kind of that could be a lead into what the rest of this episode will be because I was going to ask you if you've had any moments like that where the the extent of your mental oh. illness has just hit you and Absolutely. you're like fuck. Because what when you were talking about that, what I was thinking is I feel like I did that a lot at um like at parties that I would go to. Yeah. And you know, there would be people I know, but you know, it would be especially like if a friend was having a party and so I would go, but I didn't really know anybody else. And obviously, you know, like my friend is hosting, so they're pretty busy and can't, you know, just like take care of me all the time. Yeah, you go for one person and then that person's busy exactly. the whole time and you're like, Fuck, I regret everything. And that's my one friend that would do a lot of hosting and stuff like that. She would often um, have them at her house. So, I mean, it almost became a joke around us that when it became too much, you know, she'd have her cats and her dog shut in her bedroom and I'd just go hang out with the animals and yeah once I remember that feeling like once I'd get in there I'd just be like they're so nice I just want to hang out with them I don't want to go back it was so hilarious I was in a car on the other side of the street looking across the street to all these happy people dancing and headbanging and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and it was like sad music should have been playing in the background (laughs) rain should have been falling (laughs) oh yeah it's like fuck I'm a 30 year old woman and I can't even go stand and listen to music with people without having a a breakdown. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. continue with your story. (laughs) Or Um, I don't know if you were telling a story, but this was going somewhere. Yeah, I I was just uh, going along with you and agreeing that I've had the same thing. But if you want to hear about something from my week... (laughs) I'm all ears. I'm done. Okay. You got the spotlight now. Which is also not related to anything that we're going to talk about, but, you know, it was my week. Yeah. And I had a really kind of a hard time this week. I was dreading Wednesday the entire week. And it is because we have um, a person that started as an office manager last April. And uh, yes, she she has been great. She has taken on a lot of stuff and, you know, like gotten a lot done. And, uh, you know, I get along with her. She's very nice. We work together on a lot of things. And I always find that kind of fun. But I felt in general, since she came on and showed herself, you know, like capable, and she's also, of course, you know, like really friendly and really funny and everyone, you know, else in the office seems to think like, oh, she is just the greatest thing and we all love her so much. And, you know, so you feel kind of like, you just kind of feel, I don't know, almost like not appreciated. Oh, okay. So like everyone's so busy fawning over her, they kind of gloss over you. Yeah, that I'm just kind of like, I do stuff too. <laughs> and, yeah. and I mean, I my, my personality is more like reserved. So, you know, I'm sorry if I'm not just like super friendly and outgoing all the time. I'm nice. You know what's funny? <laughs> this is a tangent, but last week we talked about minimization. And mm-hmm. I said it right first time. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and you were talking about how you minimize your performance at work. And when yeah. people compliment you, they you feel like you don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. But like now you're talking... I think the result of doing that over time is when people finally stop appreciating you, you're like, wait a second, 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's kind of ironic. Yes. I do. Anyway. Um, so something specific. She got a promotion. I don't know what um, what it was, what her new title was, but it, it basically meant Office like, Manager Supreme. Yeah. I mean, it basically meant like instead of like sitting out in one of the cubicles, they were giving her um, a new office. I mean, I do the payroll, so I don't think like, it resulted in a raise, probably because we just got them at the beginning of the year. But yeah, you know, so she she has a new fancier title and she has her own office and everything like that. And so everyone comes around, I think like last Friday, and they had a um, a card ready to sign. And they're like, oh, we're going to have a, a little like celebration on Wednesday for so-and-so's promotion. And I just feel, I mean, nobody else has gotten that kind of treatment. So, you know, it just felt like, oh, you're our star, and we all have to celebrate that you got a promotion. Do you feel like she doesn't deserve it? I don't feel like she... I mean, I absolutely feel like she deserved the promotion. You know, like I said, yeah. she does a lot of work for us. But it just it just kind of felt like, why do we make such a big deal out of one person? And I guess it, it kind of tied in, too, with something that bothered me um, earlier... We have these weekly meetings of what we call the leadership team, and her and I are both in them, um, my boss and the two heads, uh, the head of the commercial lines department, the head of the personal lines department. Does the, Do these happen on Wednesdays? No, they happen on Mondays. Oh, I was like, <laughs> but, what, what happened on Wednesday? Well, Wednesday is when we had her little party. Oh, oh, okay, That's, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So the meeting yeah. then was Monday. Everybody that has like a basic servicing role, we have a survey that the customers can take. And every time somebody gets a nine or 10, which bumps our score up, then we say it like throughout the office. And we've even talked in these meetings. We said, you know, like my boss said specifically, like, I, I think, you know, like it's good to, to recognize people for yeah. these things. You know, it's good for morale and everything like that. Every single high score, you know, we come out, everybody congratulates them. And, you know, this girl, her and I have positions where we don't get these kind of scores. So, you know, right. there's other things you have to do. And so, yeah, she gets her promotion. Everyone does it. And um, because I do the accounting for the company, uh, this was a while ago, but it just kind of like brought it up again. What rubbed me the wrong way is we had one of our main, main insurance carriers that we go through. I pay all of our bills to them. Right. So like ahead of them came to our office just to kind of, you know, like talk to us because they do so much business with us and see the place and everything like that. And they came and they met me and, you know, the guy was really nice. And he said to me, you know, when he found out I did accounting, he was like, you guys are one of the very few agencies that we have never had a problem with billing. It's like, I can't say that about many people. I mean, that made me feel great. Yeah. but it also felt like, oh, maybe that will get shared because I don't get these kind of scores. You got to find other things. Nope. Mm. Nope. Not mentioned at all. <laughs> so there's no recognition for your type of work. Yeah. So it just kind of felt like I, I thought, like, that's a good opportunity. And it's like, oh, no, you just heard it and thought, that's nice. So you're just feeling a ton of, like, invalidation. Yes. Essentially. Yes. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. Totally. I mean, I kind of feel the same way in my job right now. Like there's no one here to supervise me. So there's no one to tell me if I'm doing a good job or a bad job. And so I would like to know that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, when you go months and months with no comment whatsoever on your job performance, like, especially if you're doing a great job and no one says anything, it can kind of feel like, what's the point? And so that's, that's why I was just kind of like dreading Wednesday because I, I knew how I felt about it. And I, I knew like every time this came up, it sort of made me feel bad about myself, but I knew like I have to fake the energy because otherwise I'll look like the person that's, I don't know, just like bringing everybody down and it's kind of like, oh, she's just jealous. Well, everyone, I mean, I think we can all relate to that. And it's not like you're attacking her and saying like she doesn't deserve it or she shouldn't get it, right? You're just right. like, you would like yeah. a little bit of the same type of recognition. Exactly. I think we all crave that. Yeah. It's not weird. It, it's, it does... It is kind of vulnerable to talk about because, yeah, it is like, oh, are, am I just jealous? But everyone right. can relate. And that's why I knew, like, I wasn't going to be super excited because I didn't feel that way. And I was just kind of like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. So then the rest of the week, were you just really bummed out? 
Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That that sucks. Especially yeah. to happen on a Wednesday and then you got to get through two more days. Just... <laughs> well, I mean, the, then it was over. So at least I didn't. I feel like Monday and Tuesday were worse because I was just like, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> so what else did you want to talk about? Yeah. So I was as I was stopping that conversation, I was thinking, you know what? I have no good segues. Let's just bring up our topic. Let's just do it. (laughs) Okay. I do want to give a few um, caveats up front. Trigger warnings? Uh, Yeah. First of all, I wanted to say that this is something that I, this general sort of topic, I really try not to talk about much on here because I feel like it's kind of pigeonholing myself. I mean, I'll just tell you, it's going to be eating disorder related. What do you mean by pigeonholing yourself? I don't know. Like, like that's all, all in my life. I mean, we've talked about lots of different mental health things, and I don't want to, you know, like, shun other people if they start to feel like, oh, it's really just an eating disorder podcast. Okay, but but also that's our lives. I've had the same thought. I thought, is this turning into an eating disorder podcast? Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's just what's relevant in our lives right now. Yeah. You know, when I was drinking, I talked about alcohol every episode. Like, this yeah. is what we're going through. This is what you're going through. And it would be a disservice to the listeners if you didn't talk about it. Because they do listen not just for the topics, but like to find out how we're doing. Yeah, At least okay. some of them. <laughs> well, I'm glad you felt that way because, you know, that just makes me feel like, okay, you, you understand why. That's the whole point of this is just to, you know, be honest and talk about the things that we don't talk about in real life. And I know yeah. you don't really talk about it in real life. Well, I don't know. Not really. <laughs> Not on the podcast, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and the other thing up top is, like you said, it's just kind of, I want to give like a blanket light trigger warning. And if there is like a hard trigger topic, I will try to say it specifically so you can just kind of like forward a little. But obviously, it's going to be a little blanket warning. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't usually give trigger warnings on the podcast, but we're, I think we're trying to be better about it lately just because eating disorders have been... On, in our heads mm-hmm. <laughs> for the last few episodes we've been talking about it more and yeah if, if you can't listen to that stuff without getting triggered maybe skip this one until you're in a better headspace or yeah. you know you don't have to listen at all so my topic kind of the phrase came to me and it just like encompassed all these things I wanted to talk about I am calling it the cult of eating disorders I love it already I'm so excited for this. Is excited the wrong emotion? I don't know. Excited to talk about excited it. Excited to talk Not about excited, it. Not excited, yeah, about the idea. I think that's fair. I'm always excited to talk about truly <laughs> fucked up things. Yeah. <laughs> so, in, in preparation for this, first of all, I looked up some things about cults in general, because I had used that word. And I got some um, general descriptions from some site where they said, no one joins a cult. They are recruited. Mm-hmm. Cults use deception to make people dependent and obedient. They disrupt a person's identity and replace it with a new identity. And they give the illusion of choice and control. And I really felt like I could relate all of those to like, yeah, that's ultimately what an eating disorder is. That's what it's doing to you. And eating disorders are strange because it's not totally external, but it's not totally internal. Exactly. You know? And that will lead into the the story of why I picked this in general, because there was a story on Tuesday (laughs) that I specifically wanted to talk about, and my my whole topic, like, branched out from there. Oh, right. So I sometimes attend this virtual support group. The week before this... There was a girl at the end saying, like, she's somebody that is in a larger body and just, like, how she sometimes feels, you know, like, kind of dismissed in in groups like this. And, you know, like, not like anyone's doing it specifically, but you kind of end up feeling that way and just feeling, yeah, like, really bad about herself because of that, because she's not like everybody else that she sees. So up top... This past week, she wanted some time. I guess she talked to the moderator. She wanted some time just to talk. And I came in a couple minutes late, so I don't even know, like, how this started. I just know, like, she was already talking. And she said, you know, like, that she talked about this last week and that she has never made any reference to what behaviors that she struggles with, but that one particular person commenting in the group, like, she was encouraged to say who this person was just kind of like so they could 
rupture and so repair. They could reckon, I guess. Have a reckoning. Yes, oh my god, this is so yes. much drama. I know, but you know, so at least I didn't have to sit there and be like, "Oh my God, was it me?" Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I appreciated that, but yeah. So she says, you know, like, you know, someone had a comment, and in that comment, I felt like they inferred like what behaviors that I am dealing with, and you know, like you don't know, and that's not necessarily something, and you know, like I, you know, felt even worse because these assumptions were being made about me, and. As she's talking about this, I am feeling really uncomfortable and really terrible, and I could not name it in the group, but I did afterwards because I thought, like, okay, you know, she still kept it all, like, kind of um, vague, Mm -hmm. but come on. She's someone complaining about being in a larger body. She thinks that somebody, something got inferred about her. Of course she's mentioning binging. Yeah, that's kind of... What I thought people were assuming about her. I mean, it's it's fine that that is a incorrect assumption. You know, I'm not like calling her on that. But we all know that that's what was being assumed because that is what people assume. That's what people assume, even though most of the people I know in larger bodies who have eating disorders have atypical anorexia. Exactly. Or, you know, something yeah. else. And yeah. I, I, you know, on the other hand am in a smaller body and I have struggled with binge eating disorder. <laughs> yes. So that leads to what was bugging me so much is that she just, you know, she was talking about this and these assumptions being made about her. And I could tell, you know, like it upset her a lot. And she was, you know, like really angry and really hurt that someone had made this assumption about her when it's not true. And afterwards I thought, show me someone who is so insulted because somebody assumes they restrict and they don't. Like, I also binge. And so, yeah, feeling like this actually is a behavior you should be ashamed of. And if someone is assuming it about you and it's incorrect, that is, you know, like an atrocity committed against me. But I bet you if someone was assuming that they restricted and they didn't, then they just kind of shrug it off. Well, that's because of the, as you said, the cult of eating disorders. Specifically, the cult (laughs) of anorexia. Mm -hmm. Like restricting is a rite of passage it's a badge of honor you know the longer again we're not going to mention specific numbers or anything but like the longer you can restrict like usually people kind of brag about that yeah and because people you know maybe that that don't really so much they're still kind of I feel like secretly hoping like oh you know like maybe I, I will have a run of that and you know like that behavior I'd rather have that behavior so yeah, if someone assumes that about you, then no one's gonna like have a problem with that. And yeah. that just really pissed me off. <laughs> it, it pissed you off like the injustice of it all. Yeah, yeah. and the fact the fact that yeah that that we we even say like in this community like oh yeah, but this this behavior is it's obviously not doing anything good for you, but it's kind of like this one you can talk about. And you can say like, oh, poor me, I struggle with this. But this other one is garbage. We don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, even in my day-to-day life, some days I will eat less. And those are the days that I decide to share with my partner. Like, oh, I'm struggling today. Mm -hmm. I haven't eaten a lot. Poor me. And then there's also an equal number of days where I will binge. Like, I'll eat a whole bag of chips or whatever. Or, like, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. If it feels like a binge, I consider it a bit. Well, yes. that can get muddy, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't always have a good idea of what amount of food is normal. But anyway, like, when I have that binging behavior, I don't share it always because I'm ashamed of it. Yeah. And it's like, it. both are equally valid. Like, both are indicators that I am struggling. But, like, why is it we're just, we just hush up one and the other one we're like oh feel sorry for mm-hmm. me yeah because I'm the same way I, I know like I, I I will say so you know like I know these are all behaviors that I have dealt with but I notice like I see a dietitian every other week and I can tell her if I say you know like oh I've been having trouble with like getting any variety I'm sticking to like the same few safe foods every day at the same time and you know she's like what does that look like and you know I can just like list it all off like this this and this and but if I come to her and I just be like oh god this was such a terrible night and you know I ended up binging and she's like what does a binge look like and I'm just always like I don't know (laughs) yeah it changes yeah (laughs) And, and again like the the core issue isn't the food. The core issue isn't the weight. It's like the mental illness and like what is causing you to have those behaviors and those thoughts. Like 
the food and the weight are symptoms and sometimes indicators, but you shouldn't rely totally on them. And like, there is this huge sense of inequality, even like in the eating disorder community, like you were saying, there's Mm -hmm. definitely culty aspects of it. And I think like one thing that real religious cults, for instance, are characterized by is like the lack of outside information being allowed to come in to the people inside. So what do you think about that in regards to eating disorders? Do you think that applies? I mean, this kind of goes to like when everybody was in the (laughs) <laughs> the pro Anna stuff. Yeah. I do feel though, yeah, like that really got like doors shut, you know, just kind of like, this is your world, stay in here. And something else that I wrote down that I feel like I see, and this definitely feels like a very culty kind of um, movement, is I've seen a lot of people that I feel like push other people into treatment. Like, if they themselves are struggling, then I feel like they kind of push, like, someone else in. And I've always felt like they're secretly hoping that, you know, like, that person will then stop their behaviors or gain weight and they won't be seen as competition to the person that's sick. Yeah, I'm having two reactions right now. For The first is agreement. Like, yes, I have been there. But also, I want to add that I don't think it's always as conscious as... It sounds like I think. No, yeah, I didn't want to say that as an absolute. I guess I kind yeah. of did, but I I feel like I have seen that sometimes in people. Yeah, or like you're in treatment with someone and they, uh, well, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to mention that example. It could be triggering. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've we've all been there. It's like you have to be the sickest in the room, and again, mm-hmm. it's like a badge of honor. Yeah. Uh, like um, at, at the show last night, I, I felt like such a fraud because I'm like covered in tattoos. My hair is half green, half black. I was wearing like <laughs> yeah. loud clothing and chunky boots. And I look really tough on the outside. Like I look like I've been through some shit. But on the inside, I'm just a quivering, anxious mess. And it's like, I think right. everyone wants to be that person in treatment that is like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, out covered in, t- <laughs> not literally, but like yeah, metaphorically but co- covered in tattoos and just like hardened and like ah, i've seen it all i've done shit you guys wouldn't have even yeah, dreamed like, of i that was actually one thing that i wrote down too and i put in parentheses what we always called it in um in one of the places i was at was the t- people telling war stories oh my god yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> on dopey podcast they they almost called it war stories at the beginning oh, nice. when it was taken <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a tale as old as time in any sort of treatment environment people are gonna try to one-up each other i think personally I see it as like the cost of that of being in that is like there's always going to be those types of people and I just have to trust myself that I will not engage in that but we're all human yeah and if it's a cult behavior it can be sneaky sometimes it can get its grips in you and then you're part of it without realizing it yes and and a few things like on that and this is where I will say like I'm going to mention some specific things not numbers of course but you know Possibly if, if you felt like a blank, a light trigger is okay, you maybe skip this. But yeah, talking about like who can be the sickest. And I wrote in parentheses, tubes and EKGs and labs. Oh my. Okay. I was going to say tubes as my example. Yeah. <laughs> but I also remember um, my, my very first day, like my last time in, in, in a treatment setting, I remember someone walking in and being like, well, I failed lab seven times this morning, so I know it's going to be a good day. And I'm just kind of like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, like I had my, you know, my breakfast was pills and I walked to work like I'm having a great day. And that's the sad thing, because I would Mm -hmm. legit be in an amazing mood if I like didn't eat or like walked so far in before 9am I'd be like yeah I'm I'm on top of the world like that's so Mm -hmm. fucked up yeah (laughs) going off of that this was an interesting thing for me because I thought of that whole like who can be the sickest and I realized that I actually did that as a kid because when me and my friends were playing with our Barbies or with our other dolls or something like that that was a huge theme of what we're playing we're making up stories and it was always you know like 
one person's doll, you know, has something happen and they almost die. And, you know, it kept being like a competition, like who had to get the closest to be like in the worst (laughs) shape and somehow pull out of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe I was already doing that then. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. My sisters and I would write stories. We would pretend we would role play, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I kind of bullied my sister Caroline as a kid. We were like one (laughs) of you were the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. So like I would always be the princess and she would always be the queen, my mother. <laughs> and I would always be in danger or like, you know, get sick. And there was only one cure across the kingdom. Yes. And the prince had to come and get it for me. Like all the, I loved feeling tragic. Yes. And then, you know, we're both writers from an early age. And so a lot of my early, early stories, like before I was even 10, had were also on that theme. Yeah. You just unlocked yes. some memories, dude. Same thing. When I realized that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but I think, but like, why do we do that? I, and I think both of us weren't outrightly neglected, but we did experience neglect, like emotional neglect. Right, right. You know, like I had six younger siblings and you had, you know, a sister with special needs and like parents who had a, a messy marriage. And so we were both kind of quiet, good mm-hmm. kids that were overlooked. And so, of course, the only time we can get attention is if like there's a significant problem. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, probably both of us maybe felt like we're not quite getting taken care of enough. So in our little fantasy world, then everyone is, you know, concerned and taking care of you. (laughs) I mean, that is, we could end the episode right now with that statement. Like that is the source (laughs) of our, at least for me, like the beginning Mm -hmm. of my issues stemmed from that, like I wanted attention, and I didn't know how else to get attention in a socially acceptable way. And so when you're sick, it's not your fault. And not that I'm like mental illness, of course, is not your fault. Right. But you know, there are reasons why we do the behaviors we do. We don't just do it for no reason for shits and giggles. Like we needed attention, even if we didn't recognize we needed attention. That's what we needed. Yeah, attention it, is not a dirty word, like we said on yes, the therapy right. <laughs> and And it makes sense that, you know, you, you do then feel like getting really sick or being horribly injured. You know, that is a time when someone has to pay attention and take care of you. Where if you just say, you know, I'm just feeling lonely and sad today, then your parents could be, you know, they... Pay attention to you and just be like, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, I've got so many other things to take care of. I'll check on you later. Yeah. I mean, bringing it back to the cult thing, I think Mm -hmm. when we do grow up like that, we're very lonely. And one thing, one reason people join cults is for the communities and the support. (laughs) And I think obviously we met on an eating disorder subreddit or like an online eating disorder community. Right. And so like we at one point were both craving support, like slash still are craving support. That's why we make this stupid podcast. Like we just crave that community and cults can provide that, you know, if you're in a vulnerable, vulnerable, I can't talk ever. (laughs) If you're in a vulnerable spot, it's going to be attractive. And obviously, that wasn't the first time, you know, I'd I'd sought out community. I mean, oh, my God, having the internet in your home was just a godsend for for me and my developing eating disorder. Well, here's the question. Do you think you fell into the cult right away when you discovered these pro-Anna communities? Or do you think it took time? Well, that's the thing is I, I knew that I wanted, you know, like some camaraderie because I, again, <laughs> I was not talking about it at all in my real life. And so I needed somewhere to, you know, like unload and things like that. But I remember the very first thing that I found was actually a very strong pro recovery board. Oh, plot twist. So I had originally assumed until I just thought about it more (laughs) that the the reasoning was just because it was the early days of the internet you know (laughs) I I got it like right in on the ground floor when I was 15 or 16 I hadn't been around (laughs) we were all a little giddy with the excitement of it all yeah so there wasn't really so much they hadn't developed like pro-anna bullshit (laughs) well none of the terminology existed but the framework was there But yeah, I feel like that hadn't really gotten a foothold yet. So it was easier to find something saying like, we're a recovery community. And um, yeah, so I was in that. And that's what I assumed always is I found that just to have people to talk to and people to connect to. And I'm realizing now that I 100% would not have thought of myself as wanting to recover at that point. I was doing it because, again, I wanted the 
Sickest in the room. The the intention, the noticing. I wanted to be doing badly and for someone to be like, I'm really concerned about you. Yeah, that makes total sense to me, though. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you didn't find it in that recovery community, though, I'm guessing. It probably did somewhat for me. You know, I stayed there for a long time, probably because you start making some connections and you actually like some of the people you're talking to. And I... It never really jived with me either, places that are like pro, because (laughs) they just seemed kind of ridiculous. I've I've always felt like I at least knew better that I never thought anything like, I'm actually doing something good for myself, or I am going to be thin, which will make me beautiful and popular, because those are related. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, we've been through the ringer so many times, we can laugh at that now. But when you're young and impressionable and vulnerable, that's what you think, whether outrightly or not. Yeah. So I feel like I always kind of knew that. But I, I liked the places that said, like, we neither feel pro or pro recovery. We're just kind of real, meet you where you're at. I like that. I think recovery can be kind of culty too. Hot take. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I don't know if we even want to get into that. But yeah, we're aware that it exists too. I I don't listen to a lot of recovery podcasts. No. I I listen to Jacqueline's Binge Breakers podcast. I listen to Dopey. It's kind of a recovery podcast. (laughs) And that's why I think there's some things like... The, the group that I was talking about, I've tried a few different um, online support groups, and I feel like this is the one that I keep coming back to because other groups I've been in feel way too shutting the door on expressing anything. I mean, like this group, I would at least, even though that girl didn't say it, I feel like I could bring it up and be like, why do we find binging so strange, so uh, shameful? Yeah. <laughs> Where I've been, the the story I love to tell is, and this was an in-person group when I was in Chicago. Oh, I remember those. When I first joined, it wasn't as bad, but people just started using triggering for like every little thing. Like somebody mentioned that they went to the gym. They did not say anything they did, but you know, someone had to say then like, uh, can we not say that? Because I find the gym a really triggering to hear about. <laughs> See, that's messy territory though, because some people legit are triggered by that stuff. But also when you start censoring yourself to that extent, it's like no one can say anything. So I get both points of view. That's why I feel I feel like a healthy thing in groups like that is to say, you know, you can talk about these things. Obviously, don't give specifics. If you are someone that is feeling triggered, please take care of yourself. Leave the room. Something like that. Yeah, I think that is a good, you know, like middle ground. But the, the most ridiculous one to me is as people started to like become friends in the group and things like that, then sometimes um, Wait, after was this the one where you weren't allowed to say Dunkin' Donuts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, yeah, we, we we would go to Dunkin' Donuts for coffee, and that's the first time I heard it when someone said, um, "Anyone is welcome to to join us for coffee after the group. Uh, we we just go to the the place on the corner that I can't say the name of." <laughs> You have told that story on the podcast before. I know, but, but I, I think love it was the first so episode much. I was on, so people might not have heard it. I it was ridiculous. It. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I and know. I think, okay, that's why I think recovery can be culty is when they limit the things that you can and can't say, and they limit the things that you're like, if they tell you how to be recovered and how yeah. not to be recovered, and you can only follow their way of doing things, that's kind of when it crosses into cult territory to me. Yeah, or if they, they keep everybody in, like, these little glass balls where they basically, like, cut out half the dictionary because it could be triggering to somebody. That's where I say, like, I feel like telling somebody, if you are feeling this way, then, yeah, take care of yourself and leave the room. That is teaching people to get by in the world. That is teaching people, like, self-advocacy versus saying, like, we're going to protect you in yeah. this little bubble. Again, there needs to be a middle ground. And also, yeah. maybe if you are so vulnerable, like like me this yeah. week, I've been so anxious. Like, maybe I, I don't think I could go to an in-person group because everything yeah. might trigger me. Maybe it's time to, yeah, take a break from some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, gets really murky. There are certain things I feel like people saying numbers or saying how many times they did something. 
that's triggering to like 90% of the people. So I understand why we take that out. I think this is one of the reasons why I love having you as a co-host, because I mean, as we mentioned, every single episode, we're 12 years apart. And Mm -hmm. I think we both have kind of differing views on like, I noticed that you kind of tend to lean more towards like self advocacy, you know, take Mm -hmm. care of yourself, empower yourself, like, and then I'm more like, I I find myself more concerned over what people think and like trying to take care of everyone and just ultra sensitive and scared of what what I'm saying. And you're not like that. And I think there's strengths to both. And we I think it's a good balance. Because like, I'm realizing in this conversation, like, you can't protect everybody. Yeah, nor should you. You're right. We we are from kind of different things, like uh, sort of unrelated to the topic. But what I was thinking of is like today, so many parents could not even fathom the idea that I like walked a mile home from school and it was just kind of on like country roads. So there's no sidewalks. There's, you know, not many houses. In <laughs> Classic between. example. Yeah. And I can just see people like, like people let their children do that. <laughs> Where yeah. I was just like, nothing was going to happen to me. That's fine. <laughs> oh, you embrace it. Yeah. Shit. You know, we've lived this long. We can. Exactly. We can take advantage of it. Um, I'm getting us off topic. No, that's fine. We do that sometimes. <laughs> if yeah. this is your first time listening. <laughs> yeah. Tangents. Yes. Um, I do feel like, and we kind of touched on this, that it also becomes like a badge of honor when people can say, like, I have been through the worst. I and come out through it. Like, I had a roommate like that. I'd met her originally in treatment and stuff would come up that we dealt with. And usually we're telling kind of funny stories, you know, <laughs> like remember this staff member and how, you know, like everybody found them annoying or something like that. We need that. to do a whole episode where we just reminisce about treatment stories. Oh my God. Yes. Just as <laughs> but, a treat. Yeah. But I felt like if, if anything came up and even if I wasn't trying to point out like this shows that I was so bad off, but if it even just kind of like alluded to that, then that's what I feel like she immediately had to break in and be like, oh, I know I had this and this and this happened. And it was always one upping. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've had that happen <laughs> to me. I also am always afraid of doing that to people. But when that happens, like some people legit are trying to relate to you and it comes across as one upping because they truly have been through some horrific shit and maybe they've just normalized it so much they don't really realize how horrific it is. It, and yeah. I would say like half the time though they are trying to one up you. In general, I actually don't think that was her intent. I feel like that kind of became a facet of her personality. So she maybe didn't realize she's doing it. I don't like think that was malicious and she was trying to. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we should just say like all of the things we're talking about today are a result of eating disorders, which, you know, everyone is struggling if they have an eating disorder. Like, even if you're doing some of these toxic things, at the end of the day, the eating disorder is the enemy. Yeah, that was, I'm, I'm looking back at my, um, my points just about cults in general. And I know the first one, that was a specific thing I wanted to say about it, where it says, no one joins a cult, they are recruited. And since we've talked about people and how they respond too much, I don't want to say that to mean, you know, like people are trying to get you to be like them or anything like that. I'm saying like that I thought of as the disorder itself. And that's, you know, comes along with people saying like, you don't choose it. You don't choose mental disorders. No, you're you're either born into it or Mm -hmm. you are recruited and like how does that happen it could be like all the examples we've listed with online communities like falling into one of those or society has only just started changing the dialogue around body image and Mm -hmm. it it still has a long way to go and like about yeah they're not very good at it yet (laughs) yeah so this is the culmination of decades of just lies that society specifically like the fashion industry whether it's yeah in, environmental or you know nature versus nurture things like that that's what i feel like is your entrance to the cult is there's just this amorphous eating disorder <laughs> that, that just drew you in somehow and that's why you seek out things like the pro communities yeah. because you have this idea like oh i want to find out what this is about maybe this is going to make me feel better about myself because you're so desperate for your mm-hmm. like your world shrinks down so much when you have an eating disorder and you're just desperate to 
expand it even just a tiny bit, even if it's, you know, more of the same eating disorder content day in and day out, at least you're not alone. And there's something comforting in that. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing. And I have these pulled up and <laughs> this one, this might be another one where I say maybe a little extra trigger is, <laughs> is it made me think of looking up um, pro ED memes because this just gets to me. And I feel like this is really just total definition of the, the cult. You know, like I have one pulled up that says, keep calm and stop eating until they take you to the hospital. I mean, that Yikes. is clearly so you're saying I'm actually aiming to be the sickest person because that is your end goal is get thrown into the hospital. Oh, uh, so that that is quite alarming at first glance. Personally, those memes make me laugh because I know they're not serious. Like, yeah. I would make a meme like that just as a joke. And again, I wouldn't post it like for vulnerable people to see it. But yeah, that, that can be incredibly damaging. We, we talked about the eating disorder meme page on Reddit last week. And it's yeah. funny you mentioned that because... That's it, probably why it was on my mind. <laughs> so there was a thread I was looking at just like two mm-hmm. hours ago where someone posted like a thread for like tips on how to binge less and or binge less and eat yeah. less. And, and mm-hmm. it was kind of a jokey thread, but all these people were in the comments looking for tips oh, and the no. post got removed. Uh-huh. And I commented on the post talking about the post being removed. And I said, please don't let this be another R pro ED, yeah. which as we <laughs> talked about last week was the subreddit that was actually a really positive, supportive community, but it got shut down because of people posting stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm someone that, that does have like a sense of humor about it all. Obviously. I know, like, I know everyone doesn't feel this way. So I try to feel people out for where they're at because I had another one that like this one, I, I had a better reaction to than, than the other meme that I talked about just because it's kind of funny to me, even though it is sad. It's a little comic, comic and there is a guy at a coffee shop and the barista is behind the counter and he's asking, would it be inappropriate if I asked you out to dinner? And she says, it would be very inappropriate. I'm clearly anorexic. Oh my God. <laughs> Not the clearly. <laughs> no, but it just made me laugh. <laughs> That is hilarious and also very relatable as if you've ever dated with an eating disorder. Exactly. That's what it made me think of. So I was like, oh my gosh, I, yeah, I would never be able to say that. But there are definitely times where I felt like I don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah. And when you're in the, the cult, people who are not in the cult are seen as enemies or like someone who's not to be trusted. You know, like if I had to eat a meal with like a normal ass dude with no food issues, I would be very suspicious. I'm really self-conscious. Yeah. (laughs) So let's say you are in the cult of your eating disorder. You don't have a lot of outside information. You're just surrounded by eating disorder content and like toxic online communities, whatever. How do you get out of it? You've been thinking a lot about this this week. Do you feel like you're currently in it like stuck in it or do you feel like you're kind of on the outside looking in like what's your mindset I feel like if I'm not out of it I am at least trying very hard because that is why I felt hurt and kind of angry about my story about on Tuesday but I do I do try to say the things that nobody else does like one thing also in particular I thought of is when I was In my first treatment setting, then I remember um, every new person that came in at your first kind of like general group, then they would say, introduce yourself, talk about the behaviors you struggle with because you are in a treatment setting and they do let you say like Dunkin' Donuts. They're not, (laughs) they don't protect you that much. Scandalous. Yeah. So they're, they're okay with people usually. What if we bleeped out Dunkin' Donuts from here on after? (laughs) Every time. Just as a joke. That'd be funny. I love it. New <laughs> listeners would be like, what are they saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so they would, they would say, you know, like, tell us a little bit, like, just about yourself in general. You know, like, you can men- mention the behaviors you struggle with. So, you know, like, we, we know where you're at and everything. And I felt like every single person, at least if they had, like, more than one particular thing that they, you know, had just, like, a straight focus on, then I felt like their description was always, like, I I struggle with a lot of behaviors. You know, I do restrict. Uh, sometimes I purge and over-exercise. Not really binging, though. 
Yeah, you always minimize the things that you don't really want to broadcast. And that it's a betrayal of your own prejudices. Yeah, so that's why I know, like, I feel like I make a point in those situations to be like, yep, sometimes I binge. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because I am a legit person dealing with (laughs) this in general, which almost always means at some point you do, even though everyone is denying it. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying everyone, I don't want to insult someone that's like, no, really, I don't. But most people that say they don't actually do. (laughs) So maybe just like start talking about the less accepted or less glamorized aspects of your eating disorder that are just as harmful, but that no one talks about and like surrounding yourself with people who with that honest voice like pickles and vodka Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I like that plug. I'm just on a roll this week. I love it. I mean, it's it's just a plug on our own show. It's not as... <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, curating my Instagram feed, as stupid as it sounds, has been so revolutionary just for the way I think about myself. Like, I mean, we talked about Peach, which is the eating disorder community that I am taking a break from because mm-hmm. I kind of... Sometimes it felt culty. Yes. I'm not going to... Like, not no shade to anyone on there that is listening. Like, I love you all. Obviously, I care about you. But like, when you're in that kind of echo chamber all the time, and you're only absorbing content from people who are struggling and who are still really in that cult, we'll mm-hmm. use the word cult, it's hard to get out. And so just leaving that app was really helpful for me. And not to say I'll be gone forever. But that is one thing you can do if you're feeling like you are kind of trapped in that kind of environment. Yeah, because even if I have been stuck in certain behaviors i i can't get in with the people that are so proud of themselves where i i i know still that i'm i am not doing anything healthy for myself if i'm engaging in behaviors but the people that are like want to be congratulated and celebrated i'm just kind of like oh you are at a totally different place and this is not good for me well also i know that if i go back into that community then i will want to be celebrated for that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like, even if I say I don't want to, and I do say yeah, I don't I, want to, because, like, who would want that? Like, I, subconsciously, I do want to be validated for all the shitty experiences I've gone through. I do want people to be like, oh, wow, I was never as bad as her, you know? Yeah. It, it's a, it's fucked up. Yeah, when you see, like, everyone super concerned about one person, I agree. You do kind of feel like, oh, why don't you give me those comments? I mean, if there's <laughs> anything I've learned from this episode is that we both very much care about what people think and we care about getting recognized for things yeah we neither one of us felt properly taken care of and we both crave validation like whoa maybe like (laughs) instead of increasing your behaviors to get more attention maybe just start talking to people about your insecurities like you're doing on this show you told me about that insecurity you're feeling and like i mean do you feel better having talked about it um I, I mean, <laughs> I I guess it depends. Like, I, I hope, again, I'm asking for validation, but I am hoping to get like some positive feedback about just kind of like, hey, I, I think that's really cool that you do that, or I support that, or maybe I'm going to try that myself. <laughs> and in the meantime, if y'all can relate to Lauren, let us know. <laughs> Comment on our Instagram, Pickles and Vodka podcast. Don't worry, we're not ending the show yet if you don't want to, but yeah. I just, this is a perfect opportunity. You can message us if you don't want to comment publicly you can email us at pickles and vodka podcast at gmail.com you're like the plugging queen today i mean plugging princess plugging- <laughs> that sounds sexual and i don't yeah, like it just kidding you're you're right to be the plugging queen the, the plug i'm <laughs> that sounds the worst <laughs> and now it's time for your favorite segment the plug I mean, I don't know if that sounds like a mafia name or like a porn star. (laughs) But I think you're doing good for talking about it. And I think you minimize a lot of the things that you're doing in your personal life to grow. Mm -hmm. Like just showing up on a weekly basis and talking about it is something. Yeah. Like that's hard to do. And yeah, that's where I think when when you asked me earlier, I said like, I'm, I'm trying to not be in it. (laughs) <laughs> you're trying. All you can do is try a little better than the day before. Just a mm-hmm. little better. Like, even if you're surviving, you you don't have to just be in survival mode all the time. Like, you can look into other things. You can have a little fun in your life, you know? Like, yeah. my obsession with cat videos and doing my nails <laughs> this week. Like, those yeah. things are important. Mm-hmm. I don't really have anything else to say. 
I am going to listen to that. First, I wanted to listen to that Dopey podcast episode that you said inspired you to leave the voicemail. And then, oh, of course, yeah. And then, of course, I want to hear the reaction to your voicemail. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what did I say? So the mm-hmm. one that inspired me was 396. Mm-hmm. Um, he interviews a, a fentanyl dealer and then they talk about recovery and stuff. And then he talks to a female comedian who talks about like alcoholism and suicidal behaviors and stuff. And right. I'm not selling it very well, but it's great. <laughs> you should listen. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we started out really confident and now we're just like know. I guess this is um, it follow us I guess if you feel like it don't don't let yourself get sucked into a cult if you can help it and if you are maybe try to take steps to get out I went this whole episode without bringing up my religious trauma are you happy mom <laughs> just seeking validation again are you happy are you happy uh, but yeah if if you discovered this podcast recently we would love it if you followed us on the aforementioned social media channels and also yes. um rate us on whatever you're listening on it, it means a lot it does i hate doing this promotional stuff i'm sweating right now no, and that's we, the end we haven't talked about that for a while we have like kick-ass ratings last time i saw so I but we could we use more do. Absolutely, because, you know, if people say, like, you have five stars and one person rated you, that's different than seeing, like, a hundred rated you. Uh, You're going to give away the secret to our success, that it's only five people in a room listening five times a day. (laughs) And it's all me. What? One of them's me. Uh, But yeah, we love hearing from you listeners, and be on the lookout for our pickle poll next week. Uh, We like to ask a question about mental health, and people send in their answers, and we talk about it for a whole episode. It's a lot of fun. Next weekend, you get to talk, too. Yeah, I haven't (laughs) picked it yet, but look out for it. (laughs) All right. Uh, All right, that's it. Love you guys. Always. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That was such a different way we signed off.